0: what is up everyone welcome back to another episode of the divi crypto podcast and today i am joined by fabrice chang the co-founder and ceo of quadrata how's it going fabrice hey thank you steve nice to be here Uh, thanks for the invite awesome awesome so before we get into quadrata let's dive into your origin story how did you get into the space and how did you get started?
1: Yes so uh, my background is more of a builder so I've been you know building my, my entire career as an engineer software engineer and um, you know I've kind of ventured across so many different things trying to kind of uh, uh, see where I fit the, the best you know mobile dev web dev uh, backend dev all those things and when I came across blockchain technology, uh, with my curiosity uh, peaking, that's really where I found something that was able to stick. So I discovered um, Ethereum pretty early uh, in two thousand sixteen, and that's kind of when you know you start kind of uh, building things on top of it. And uh, back then, you know, uh, things were very, very, very uh, new. Uh, there wasn't much help online. Uh, uh, friends uh, sometimes tend to joke about how uh, they they kind of. Uh, type something on Google and they uh, happened on my post asking the questions. Uh, but uh, I think the blockchain space has something that has always uh, stick around with me because it's kind of the first time it's an intersection between two of my favorite subjects, which are technology and finance. And I really saw uh, in uh, blockchain kind of like the conversions of both. And um, I think my gut feeling was that this is going to be a very very important piece of the the technology that uh, hopefully kind of is the next uh, step following the internet where basically internet allows everyone to be interconnected uh, but somehow when today you go on every applications in the web space it's connected but very kind of you know, a silo No, you know you have uh, an identity and a reputation you know, in applications, and as soon as you leave this application, you can lose everything. Uh, Blockchain is really this amazing technology that uh, is built not upon a, you know a, a a technology stack that is not owned by you know a government, a company, a private company. It's kind of technology for all, and where people can easily build and deploy things on top of that, uh, and allows kind of like this global. Um, ownership and, and global uh, tech stack that pe- people can use and deploy and, and share assets uh, across different applications and industry. So that's really where uh, the sticky point uh, came from me. Um, and shortly after, basically, uh, what we tried to do was essentially uh, building to, uh, kind of building applications on top of that kind of you know uh, where does the blockchain stack fit? And, uh, you know, upon myself, try to basically fit into the supply chain, fit into the e-commerce, uh, kind of venturing in terms of how to best use these applications. And, uh, I ended up selling at a company called Spring Labs, which, uh, I led kind of blockchain technology where we try to basically facilitate, uh, exchange of very sensitive consumer informations in a way that it gives, again, is privacy preserving, uh, uh, enhanced data security and enhanced data privacy. Uh, between connecting kind our of, you know, US specs. Uh so that's kind of you know, a very very big summary of how my uh, my job career and my personal career has led me to Quadrata.
0: Nice, nice. Yeah, I think there's there's such an importance as I mentioned before about uh, you know what identity represents on you know in the virtual world and everything like that. So I'd love to hear from you what what Quadrata does and why this concept. Of identity
1: and making it universal is very important, right? So, if we take a step back and we look at today the status quo of blockchain, um, anyone can interact with a decentralized application with a wallet address. It essentially acts as your, uh, you know, email, login, password. Right? It's unique identifier, and it's used across all those blockchains. It's fantastic. It's the first time you have this kind of like single sign-on that every application is agreed on using. And today you only need this and within you know a few seconds, you can start lending, you can start exchanging on decks, you can start buying NFTs. Uh, the user frictions are reduced to the minimum and it's fantastic. However, applications just don't have at all any information about any of the users anymore. And because of that, Um, they have to kind of build product that can assume the worst case scenarios and they cannot create product that just won't cater towards uh, a persona, a profile or reputations, or even sometimes, you know, compliance shape. Specifically, when we talk about, you know, DeFi, for instance, uh, one thing that tends to happen is, you know, how do we make sure that bad actors are being kept out of my system? Uh, And that's something that most... uh, regulated entity and companies uh, have that as a requirement. They are not able to transact in a product that doesn't have protections uh, about keeping bad actors away. So again, for that, you do need the identity piece. On the other side, you have how do we prevent, how do we know if it uses the users are real users? How do we know that it is not you know a bunch of automated bots that have been traded and spread across hundreds of thousands of wallets that it is pretending to be uh, uh, no Real users. So, all those things uh, seems to be kind of obvious that in order to improve the experience for the users, in order to improve the quality of the products being brought onto Web3, this missing key infrastructure that is identity has to be solved. And this is what Corata uh, is attempting to do.
0: Very cool. Very cool. So, from a tech perspective, uh, we don't have to get in too deep. Uh, but I'd love to better understand how this works because there's there's quite a few of these different. Uh, you know, we have Civic and some of these projects that have been at this for a while with identity and KYC AML style. Uh, you know, technologies bringing it into the metaverse and on chain and whatnot. But I'd love to hear from you how uh, how you guys are doing it w- when you're involving. You know, the the blockchain,
1: right. I think you're right that you know identity this has left uh, a lot of uh, uh, you know uh, bones, skeleton bones behind. Uh, I think one of the reasons is also sometimes company were maybe just too early trying to find you know a prompt to a solution to a problem that did not exist back then. Today, um, you know, hearing what you said before the podcast about like that's been top of your mind. That's something that we keep hearing across a lot of those blockchain companies today identity, compliance, and reputations are things that become top of the mind because clearly once you start innovating and trying to find better product than what exists today, you're all going to need those pieces of information. So everyone is going to start thinking about this. So today the landscape is very different. How we are doing it, uh, you know, without getting into too much of the weed is that we are embracing blockchain. We're embracing Web3 to its core. We are getting a solution that is for native blockchain applications directly. Today, they don't have a way to access that information it's natively on-chain. We are basically creating a NFT passports that contain in a privacy-preserving way, informations, verification proof that certain checks have been done, such as you know, you've been KYC, or you have an AML risk scoring below a certain threshold, or uh, you, know, you are a Unixable uh, DID uh, as to, allow, to make sure that you are uh, a unique person across different wallets. Those things are available, available natively and uh, sorry directly into this NFT passport. And this NFT passport itself is non-transferable. We use the NFT because it has this amazing property that you know, ultimately uh, states and in individuals and a lot of dev understand you know, the, the structure of the NFT, they understand the standard that the NFT um, uh, code uses but we again we just um, make the modification that is non-transferable because similar to how your identity is non-transferable in real life uh, that same applies in web3. Mm-hmm.
0: Very cool. So it's it's a an NFT represented uh, or representing that you've gone through the valid checks. And I think that's it's a very clever way of doing it. I th- I guess the question then is who accepts that NFT? The the different people that you've partnered with you have to kind of partner with all of the businesses that need to kyc people is that kind of how you're viewing this is that it it has to be because because if i go through the process right now go through all the checks and then i I get this nft
1: it's really as good as who accepts that that pass right right i think there's two there's two sides here you have The people issuing those NFTs, those have to be reputable companies that you can trust. If ultimately my neighbors is issuing my NFT, nobody's going to take that seriously. So you're right that on the first hand, we do need to trust who are the issuers of those Quarata passports. And to do that, we are not, you know, uh, doing the NFT ourselves. We basically are a technology layer that plugs with service providers that does that for a living. They have the experience, the expertise to do KYC, AML, uh compliance checks, and and, and, and computing civil risk and the IDs, all those things are being handled by centralized, trustable web two companies that are basically bridging that information to Web3. And no, over time, our goal is to onboard more and more of those data providers. And they could be multiple serving the same purposes. You know, if you ultimately you have three different KYC providers that attesting the same informations that give you a lot more certainty that this is accurate informations. information on this on the other side you have people consuming those informations and for people to consume those informations one of the criteria's uh, two criteria is going to be for them is uh, is our product you know feeding kind of their uh you know compliance requirements legal requirements and so forth and that is going to be kind of you know uh, uh through due diligence and and looking at kind of who are all data providers and passport issuers, and on the second hand is again the user frictions with how does it impact the user journey on on their websites. And uh, for us, we take you know we take our missions very seriously. Uh, both the integrations within the ecosystem is uh, we try to make it as simple as possible so on the on the technological side. And the reason why we're creating this universal passport is because over time. As more and more people have a passport, they don't have to re-KYC or re-onboard with every single application. So the goal is really you have this collateral passport attached to your wallet, and that's it. Then you can transact with every application that accepts it without having to re-onboard. So it's really in the mindset of reducing user friction, while at the same time, there's no reason why you would lose your entire reputation, your entire identity, your entire like a compliance check if you move from applications to other. and today in the web space that is kind of the things that you see today if you have amazing reviews on amazon then you go on ebay and suddenly you are in new sales that have to start from scratch from scratch got it very cool
0: so i like that you're you're providing the infrastructure for the people that are doing this as a living i think that's a great a great Mm -hmm. way of approaching it because that's infrastructure and i think that that's Always important to differentiate the <laughs> who's doing the infrastructure and who's doing the actual like issuance and things like that. I think that's very key. Um, it, with the metaverse and DeFi, you know, on on your website when I was checking it out uh, before the interview, using words like metaverse and DeFi, I think are very broad. So I'd love to hear an example of how we could walk through this in in DeFi. How would something like this? KYC, NFT, I guess I could could kind of boil it down to, is I've verified that I've gone through these checks, I get this NFT. Can you walk us through an example of how how this would play out in something like a DeFi or the metaverse? Absolutely. So I think
1: those are two different use cases and very very concrete examples because those, those are the type of inbound requests we get from companies in those realms. So as an example, let's assume you had a DeFi lending protocol that essentially wants to screen every lenders and borrowers to make sure that they are a real person um, uh, and that they, you know, ultimately pass their compliance uh, risk score, right? They want to make sure that they want to keep bad actors away from it. Uh, They want to make sure that everyone in that uh, liquidity pool has been better. The way they would do it essentially is, you know, being a smart contract-based application, they would just include those few lines of code within that smart contract that basically every time somebody tries to deposit, for instance, it's going to query, let's say the AML risk score of these quadratic passports. And depending on the results, they allow the rest of the transactions to go through, meaning the deposit to succeed or fail and don't let them go through. And the beauty of smart contract is exactly that. You can compose, you can kind of use all of people's technology by using by by having a few lines of code and uh and basically leverage that entire compliance check to product passwords and and in terms of the user experience they don't see that as two different actions it's literally one action where they click on deposit behind the scenes is doing the passport checks all the check and balances allowing the deposit all that in a single transaction so that's kind of how it would work uh, in a, in a DeFi land protocols who's hoping to leverage the technology for compliance checkpoint, for example. Now, uh, let's take the use case of, of the metaverse, right? Like today, the metaverse are a little bit less focused on compliance side. What they care the most about is, are my users real? How do we know that it's not a bunch of bots that are trying to extract as much, you know, rewards as possible? You have a lot of those play to earn, right? The more you play, you can extract rewards and tokens. Uh, ultimately, what they want is to make sure that a user is unique and a user is a real user. Um, so again, by using a lot of technology, because people have to onboard, people have to provide, you know, a government issue IDs, they have to prove they're real uh, people ultimately. And we do have this technology that allows to detect if you mean different passports across different wallets. A uh, player earn the company can, again, use a passport to screen for all the above. Meaning, does he have a passport? Yes, it's a real person. Uh, can, we can check for the DID to make sure it's unique and not, again, uh, spawn across many wallets. And all that, they can leverage that finally on-chain. And ultimately, that will benefit their real users. Because today, the people being affected are the real users who are trying to just have a fair uh, experience on Web3. mm mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: and that's a great segue, actually, into why this is important. There's often a lot of pushback from projects about KYC and, and Web3 and stuff like that. And if you've been building in the space uh, for a while, you know that it's it's pretty much the standard to, to do it, um, unless it's like a DAO or something like that. There's a lot of a lot of controversy around it with people that are you know against it and whatnot but ultimately as a business if you want to survive in jurisdictions that have all the humans um, you know you have to abide by rules and and regulations so I'm curious as to your take on that criticism that a lot of people, Think that Web three should be open and KYC shouldn't be a thing. I'd love to know your
1: your thoughts on that take. Right, I, I would say uh, the mindset has already shifted quite a bit. When I started this journey a year and a half ago, I've had a chance to talk with other major DeFi protocols, for instance, and the uh, feedback was precisely that KYC never. Like we do not want to deal with this. Um, and today, you look at you know a lot of those top DeFi protocols a lot of them have, you know, announced that they are either building a permission pause or, you know, catering to institutions and therefore having to have, you know, more compliance and KYC procedures uh, screening. So it's very interesting that, you know, the space has shifted already drastically. And um, my prediction is that we're going to see that more and more, not necessarily just to answer regulatory pressure, but frankly, because I think as users uh, and product realize more and more that it is uh, not necessarily a constraint, but it is a benefit to the product because they are a able to provide a safer experience for the users. B ultimately by complying and being able to be safer, they're able to attract more consumer, uh, consumer and more institutions, more institutional capital, which makes product better when you have a bigger influx of users. And three, I think the uh, the added benefits that we'll see from all those what we call like you know, uh, a product that is leveraging KYC, uh, I think we'll see a lot more new features that will come out of it. You know, features that can be enabled by reputation, that can be enabled by compliance checks, and uh, I think those incentives to the users will really drive and uh, enforce applications who do not take you know, account into account those those informations because as a user, uh, I think there is a friction, but there's also an incentive level that once high enough, as a user, you would probably be willing to go through that one-time onboarding flow to get those incentives. So I think in the beginning, I see this type of product being used more as an opt-in, not necessarily like, oh, a strict requirement, you have to be KYC to use it. But for instance, you can start slowly by saying, if you do KYC, you might have you know, those incentives, those added incentives. And if the incentives are aligned with the users, some of them will probably go through and some of them won't. But um, I think over time, we'll see more and more features and benefits to users that a product that rely on reputation identity will become better for the end user themselves.
0: Wow. Yeah. I, I really like uh, what you said about the incentives because... I totally agree with the idea that if the incentive is great enough on the other side, there's no reason why not to to go through a process like that of just verifying you are who, who you are and you're, you're a safe person to enter a system. Um, I think that if that system has enough value for the user, which it should, by, by all means as a business, you should be providing value. Uh, to the marketplace so I think it's so uh, well thought through that as long as the incentives are correct as long as there is a value behind that um, you know verification process it's a win-win scenario um, by all measures so yeah well said so that is kind of winding down the the pieces here about quadrata I'm really eager, somebody that's building in this space, um, to know what you're excited about, you know, outside of the world of of KYC and AML and and identity. What is it that, you know, you get up in the morning and you're just hyped about?
1: You check your phone and you're just really excited to look at. Right. I think uh, there's so many things that, you know, excites me about the the web-free space. Uh, One of the fear that, you know, I do not work directly in it, but, uh, you know, anything that ties to the metaverse ultimately is, for me, just fascinating because uh, for me, this is really where you not only have the intersection with finance and tech, but you have the intersection of finance, tech, artists, you know, uh, also, and uh, uh, gamers and all those different people that kind of converging into one thing. I'm very curious to basically see the evolution of a web-free native branding. I think people... Sometimes ask me like you know kind of like why do I think you know NFT that uh, uh, those type of projects have value, and for me I'm just thinking about kind of branding. If we think that you know evolutions and human are going to move more and more towards a digital world, which I do believe we are, you know heading there. Right, we are having this podcast today through you know uh, digital uh, means ultimately. Then slowly over time, digital branding will have Bigger and bigger place because uh, that's kind of where most of the people will spend. And I, I, I think, you know, this is something that, uh, for me has, uh, just a massive, uh, opportunity there. And I'm just very curious to hear how you know, that's, that's going to be, doesn't emerge. I'm hoping that, uh, the biggest brand will be native web rebranding branding and see how they, you know, compare when basically all the, the, the big brands in the web two space start to, you know, migrate there.
0: Got it. Yeah, uh, I'm on the same page. the The convergence of all of these together in a virtual kind of uh, experience is the. It feels like what we've all been working towards. You know, right. like all, all all the infrastructure, all the NFTs, all the crypto, all this stuff. It feels like we're all kind of coming to this pinnacle, which is the virtual society, um, as we know it. And I think it's it's gonna it's something that we can't really explain now, which is very exciting. Some kid in a basement somewhere is probably going to be the person that, that makes this thing (laughs) (laughs) uh, (laughs) a simulation. Uh, But I, I think it's, it's such an exciting time because we don't know um, what, what it's going to turn out like, what it's going to, you know, cause the next run, stuff like that. So uh, very cool. Well, those are the questions that, that I have for you. I guess the, The finale bit, in addition to what you're excited about, is I'm curious as to what's next for Quadrata and where can people go and
1: learn more. Right. So um, we ultimately launched uh, seven days ago our technology on Ethereum Mainnet, and what we're doing today is uh, we are doing kind of an uh, to celebrate our launch, we're doing like an NFT sweepstakes where we able to kind of give away like pretty cool NFTs like a Doodle or Mutant and, and a cool cat. And I think it's been just a very, very good so far feedback. You know, over 100, 400 people have claimed their Prata passports. So it's been just a very good a way to reinforce our technology and to ultimately have also a global testing phase, right? Kind of be able to um, support and see how our technology performs with passport maintained from Indonesia and, and so forth. So uh, this is kind of where we are today in this uh, uh, beta lunch where uh, we make sure that you know, our technology is ready for the for the for the the, the real world when our technology could be accepted by you know, thousands of applications. Uh, our main focus now is uh, continuing to basically onboard as many applications that needs this technology. And uh, I think ultimately it is an ecosystem play. The more applications integrate, the easier it is for uh, users to not having to again uh, re onboard and, and being able to reinforce identity. Uh, one thing that uh, uh, we know it's coming down the pipeline. It is kind of like this multi-chain world. We, we are hoping ultimately to deploy technology into a polygon, into a balance chains. So we've received a lot of requests uh, going there, so that's definitely something that we're keeping um, you know, a, uh, a visibility in the roadmap to, to be able to support other blockchain.
0: Very cool. Very cool. And it's just quadrata.com is where people
1: can can go and learn quadrata.com we have a twitter uh, quadrata network and we are on discord as well the link is going to be on the website but uh feel free to reach out to us and our discord will be active Uh, we tend to respond usually, usually within a few hours at most very cool very cool well
0: thank you so much for coming on the show fab and sharing everything that is quadrata thank you steve pleasure